Today's podcast, we'll get to our Super Bowl picks with Kevin Clark, a little on the NBA trade deadline, an observation about Vegas, because I was just there for 25 hours and I went to the NHL All-Star Game and the NFL Pro Bowl. Nobody loves non-competitive, star-studded events like this guy and life advice. This episode is presented to you by Lululemon. The perfect pants do exist, and you can get them at Lululemon. The men's ABC pants are shockingly comfortable and breathable, and they come in tons of different styles and fabrics, all made to make you look and feel good. Whether you're in the office, at the gym, cheering in the stands, or just relaxing at home, these pants are in a league of their own. Buy a pair today at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. I want to start by talking about the NBA trade deadline. It's three days away. We're going to do the picks on the Super Bowl. We're going to go deep with Kevin Clark. So we'll have a lot of football there, and it's mostly football the rest. I think we're going to get Van Pelt at some point this week as well. All right. Uh, the biggest rumor, and really the rumor that's gone on forever now, we'll revisit it. We've talked about it before, and that's the Simmons for Harden scenario. We know that a year ago, they were almost traded for each other, and then it didn't happen. Harden ended up going to the Nets. He wanted to go to the Nets. I think at one point, they all thought, as we've mentioned numerous times, they all thought that it was going to be the Philadelphia and Houston deal. But Harden went to a team that was probably better suited, we thought, with a healthy Durant and a 100% attendance Kyrie Irving. I could see Harden going, yeah, I want to do that. And probably, you know, I don't know, I would imagine Harden probably a little bit more of a New York City-based guy than maybe even Philadelphia. But it's not like Philadelphia is in the middle of nowhere. So now we're left with trying to decipher what any of this stuff means and what it means for either team. So I want to get to that. But the first part of this is the most recent report that said that Sean Marks, the Nets GM, said he didn't want to have a discussion about it. And that would make sense as messed up as this Nets thing is. And we'll get to kind of where they're at in the standings and what's really going on here because they've lost eight in a row. But if the Nets want to just hold out and give this one more shot and see what happens with whatever Kyrie's availability is, depending on if there's a different set of restrictions, um, for the Nets in their home games and Kyrie not being vaccinated. So um, I think there's some basketball stuff and some money stuff with this. If this were to even happen, this feels like a different conversation than where we were at a year ago. Harden, here's his contract situation. He didn't take the extension. He has a player option for the summer at $47.4 million. So what he could do was opt in and then take a four-year extension on top of that for $223 million. Um, so he'd be looking at a new deal at $270 million. He'd be turning 33 in August. And that would mean that Harden, at his age 37-year-old season, would be making just under $62 million a year. Now, that sounds like a scary number. If you're a longtime listener, don't worry. The cap goes up. Uh, the cap will be based on the new TV rights. The TV rights prior to the last time the cap went up, they were at $930 million collectively. Between Turner and ESPN on the last deal, they paid $24 billion, and people laughed about that deal. And that deal turned out to be a bargain, more than, more than a bargain, really, if you think about what the projections are for the next TV deal. Because the TV deal, the numbers that are out there, it says $75 billion. I mean, you can go out and kind of project any number you want. Here's what we know. It's going to go up, and it's going to go up significantly. And if just the TV number doubles in this case, um, we're talking about 
another massive bump. I mean, granted, that last bump was absurd when you're going from 930 million to 24 billion. But you could ask yourself the question if you were the Sixers, do I actually want James Harden at 62 million at 37 years old? I mean, the quickest answer on that part of it is probably no. Uh, It's the worst shooting season of his career right now. We've seen him kind of just bail on two teams the last two times around. Maybe it's that he's still hurt. Uh, because they haven't played all that well lately. But I think the NBA operates with this understanding on some of these back-end deals. Yeah, we'll just trade them for somebody else. And you can sit there and say it's impossible. All of these guys end up getting traded. The number of times that we've said a player can't be traded because of how bad the contract is at the back end of the years, uh, those guys always end up getting traded at some point. I think that's especially what a Daryl Morey would do. He'd go, all right, you know what I have is I have a zero asset right now, zero return on this one asset that I have. And if I add Harden, who maybe has a two-year window of being still an elite player, and that's really up to you what you think of of Harden, the player that we've seen right now, because it hasn't felt real elite this season. But I could understand a team saying, all right, everybody's there. He knows exactly what the role is. We're going to let him do his thing. He's going to play off of Embiid. It's going to be perfect, even though defensively he's a mess. Maybe we can cover it up with all the other defensive players we have. And now we have a real shot at this because we feel like the top of the East is weakened because Milwaukee hasn't quite rolled through people like we thought. Brooklyn's had their issues. Atlanta's felt like, even though they've been playing better, they're not taking a step forward off of where they were last year, right? We're talking all of this out, and you're going, hey, with Embiid and a Harden, It's better than this disaster we have right now, despite the fact the Sixers are playing well. And now we have maybe a two to three-ish year window of really competing and getting out of the East. That would be the Philadelphia side of it. Now, on the Brooklyn side of it, you could say, well, we got to make sure Durant's cool with all this, right? We still don't know what to do with Kyrie. But if we had Simmons and we have Kyrie back and Joe Harris not being there is a big problem. But now there's no pressure on Simmons, the basketball player. I am not a Ben Simmons fan. I think to use... Um, mental health, even though I'm sure this hasn't been a great time for him, to use mental health as what felt like a last resort on getting your way and getting out of having to play. And then the article from Mona Shelburne where I just felt like, okay, so this is just, hey, and and B did this, but I didn't do this. It, It just... I don't know. I'm surprised that that was the kind of information, like good for her for getting the information. I'm surprised the team around the Ben Simmons side of the argument would want that information out there as if that was going to get any of us that are paying attention or have any like 1% NBA intelligence would go, hey, great point. That is a great point that you didn't get mad at him in 2019 when they lost to the Raptors and Embiid struggled to shoot the way Simmons felt like people, specifically Embiid, had turned in him after the Atlanta series. I don't love Ben Simmons, the basketball player, when I know that you're just not you're not comfortable out there in the biggest moments. All right, Maybe that does go away a little bit, but it scares the hell out of me. In Brooklyn, he doesn't have to worry about any of that stuff. Play defense, play center, and you're going to be diving to the hoop on some of the help that comes towards us if we have shooting around you where your life is going to be so much easier. All right? That's going to happen. So from a basketball standpoint, he's younger. Um, You don't feel like even though he's bailed on the team this year, he bailed specifically to his situation where you know Harden just looks like a disinterested player for very long stretches. And I don't know how you do that throughout an entire regular season, expect to just pick it right back up in the playoffs. So when it comes to the actual negotiation part of it, who says what? I know what Daryl's going to say. He's going to say, hey, we're giving you the better player. He's younger. He's cheaper. We have to do the Harden extension. You know, he hasn't played all that well. It hasn't really worked out. He's coming off the injury. You know, you're actually trying to diminish the value that you want, right? <laughs> then, of course, the other part of it, you'd say, why do you want him then, right? Um, here's where the conversation should stop. Brooklyn should say this. 
Our guy still plays. Your guy doesn't. <laughs> All right. Our guy plays. He's here. Yours isn't. Yours isn't going to play this season. And he's never going to play for you again. So you have to give us a little bit more. And I would think that that would kind of, whatever the contract, contractual obligations end up being down the road, whatever those are, and they are significant for anyone acquiring Harden, I don't know that there's a great counter to that. Like, your guy's not playing. Well, what, I'm sure you're going to try to come up with something if you're Daryl Morey, but it doesn't really, it doesn't work. Now the Nets, they've lost eight straight. They're the seventh seed. And I've seen a lot of this like, hey, look how close they are to being in the play-in game. You know what? They're also four and a half games out of the number one seed. The top of the East is all jacked up right now. It, everybody's right there. Um, when I look at, at the Brooklyn part of it, because there are some victory laps, because people, you know, they don't like when they, these kinds of teams are put together, even though I think everybody was picking them coming out of the East, considering how close they got last year with just Durant in play towards the end. The, them only being four and a half out of the first and knowing Durant is coming back. If Durant is back and healthy, it looked like he was on his way to an MVP-type season, not to guarantee it because Embiid and Jokic are, are at another level right now for them. Uh, I, I'm not going to just write off the nets because I'm like, all right, yeah, it sucks. And Joe Harris and you don't like the bench and they're a little short. Kyrie and Hart. Okay, yeah, but is Durant coming back? Okay, well, he is. Fine. So I don't want to hear about him being a seven seed right now because it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. The weirdest thing would be a Nets Raptors series at some point because of Toronto's rules for Kyrie. Like, imagine if that's the first round. It could happen. I mean, there could be a Raptors Nets series at some point. So then you go, how's that going to play out with no Kyrie? And as I've said before, we know what's going to happen if nothing changes where Kyrie's not playing in home games for the Nets. I still don't think we've really factored in how weird it's going to be. What if they end up with home court? What if they're in a seven-game series with a team in the second round of the Eastern Conference Finals and Kyrie's not playing? I think this whole conversation is going to get cranked up again. So I don't know if that deal is going to happen for this week. I could totally see the Nets saying, hey, let's just keep this group together as messed up as it's been. It hasn't gone according to plan. Everybody would do this if they had the chance to do it by putting these guys together. Let's just see what happens because we're not really afraid of anyone in the East and we know we're getting Durant back. And if we want to revisit it, we know that deal will probably still be there for us this summer unless they have some kind of other intel that Simmons could be heading somewhere else before Thursday's deadline. But based on all the information we've heard privately and publicly, that's not really been the case. One last thing on the trade deadline. Karis LeVert goes to the Cavs. If you've been watching the Cavs, I watch them a lot because I just like them so much. I've loved what Darius Garland has become, and I think Colin Sexton being hurt has actually allowed Darius Garland to, to grow into this role. But more and more, the last, and I know Garland's dealing with a back injury a little bit, but there's been just too much put on Garland to kind of carry them as a perimeter scorer, and that's, that's been an issue. Um, even though I like all of the pieces, that's been an issue. So you're like, all right. And it's kind of that balance that I always talk about of the difference of I'd love to have a few guys that have the ability to create on their own at the end of a shot clock, but yet they're not looking to create on their own in every single possession. The Toronto Raptors that won a title are a perfect example of that. They had like five or six guys that if they needed to could find a way to more than one dribble, do something with the ball and make a play offensively. Obviously, Kawhi, Siakam, because so much attention was on Kawhi as well. But obviously, Siakam's a talented player. Um, Lowry, Van Vliet, 
um, Norman Powell, you know, Danny Green, you know, not saying Danny Green's going to ISO you and go through his legs the whole time, but there were a lot of players, even Abaca, a lot of players that were very comfortable with their ball in the hands to make some kind of offensive decision. And that's hard to defend. But what's, What's challenging is knowing how all of those pieces fit together, and Karis LeVert has never been one of those pieces. Yes, he is extremely talented. Uh, he had 42, I think, against the Bulls the other night in that loss, and that was actually a close game to down the stretch. But he will, at some point, decide it is him versus everybody, and that's what scares I, I like talented players. I don't like guys that think they're the only talented player. And Lavert shoots it at like 31% from three, I think in like four of his six seasons. He's been a net negative on defense three or four of his last six years. Uh, he scored 20 a game the last couple months. I mean, he can score, but his usage rate borders around like 30, which would be top 10 for any player in the NBA if you go by some of those usage seasons. He's dipped a little bit below that, but now he's cranked it up the last couple of months because all the other guys at the Pacers have been hurt. So I'm scared. I'm scared that Levert, if, if Levert plays exactly how he's played for his entire career, it's going to screw up the Cavs. If he defers somewhat, then, you know, then, then we might have something because you'd have a really talented player who can get to the bucket. I mean, the guy can score. We know that. But it can't just all be about him because I almost feel like he's better suited for the sixth man role. Comes in, hey, the offense runs for you. You make all these different decisions. When you're doing it every single drive down towards the end of a close game because you just think it's on you all the time, that's not great. And I think it becomes really easy to defend. It's why we have so many high usage players not doing well um, from regular season numbers once they get into the playoffs. Those teams usually don't do all that well. And I have studied that this weekend and have a massive usage rate monologue for you, which we probably won't open the podcast with because I don't know that everybody's going to love it. And for those wondering, as I was going through Levert's stuff this morning, what his basketball reference nickname is that no one's ever called him, Karis Levert, a.k.a. Baby Durant. This episode is brought to you by Cintas. In sports, you're always thinking of that next play. It's the same with business. Cintas has the products, people, and solutions that help keep you a step ahead. And your Cintas MVPs are the dedicated service reps who help make sure your team has what you need when you need it. They really got you covered. Cintas has workwear and apparel for almost any job imaginable. They have styles that are durable, comfortable, and great looking. And they'll deliver fresh uniforms back to your business every week. They'll deliver floor mats and restroom products and stock your essential cleaning supplies. They provide first aid supplies, safety training, and life-saving AED defibrillators. And then they'll even test and inspect your fire extinguishers, fire protection systems, and emergency exit lights. Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. This episode is brought to you by Royal Caribbean. What are you going to do for your next vacation? Beach, island hopping, hiking, a little culture? Choose Royal Caribbean and you can go on all the vacations at once. That's the point. You want to go to Greece? How about they get you there? Everywhere else. I've looked at the Alaska packages. Alaska Inside Package, Alaska Experience Cruise, Vancouver, round trip, one way out of Seattle. They have it all. They make it easier for you with adventure at every stop. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Visit royalcaribbean.com to learn more. Kevin Clark, The Ringer. What do you have this week, by the way? Just let's get the promotional part of it right out of the way, because I've seen the Slow News Days promotion. You're a big-time promotion guy. I, I admire that. Uh, I like to get it out there, get the word out, get the buzz. Um, so we have a bunch of Ringer NFL shows with a lot of active NFL players. So it'll be really cool. And then Slow News Day is Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, Justin Herbert, uh, Joe Montana, Travis Kelsey, Darius Rucker. I always thought a Joe Montana, Joe Montana podcast would crush. 
what would the topic be? Just their names, different experiences they've had? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe financial advice. I don't know. Any of that stuff. Let's, uh, I have some slow news days, slow news day questions for you in preparation okay. for this big week for the product because it's great. It's one of the best things, uh, I think, on the <laughs> internet. But I've been Rams. As soon as the games are over last weekend, we're doing our Super Bowl picks right now. Yeah. Okay. Everything tells me Rams. The defensive line tells me Rams. Um, sure. And I think I'm just going to go, you know, because I'm still like, hey, Cincinnati, unbelievable run. Not many teams can be down 21 3 at Arrowhead and come back and beat them. They're a 10 and 7 football team. Sure. And now, now I'm going to pick them to win the Super Bowl. I am. I am because everything tells me Rams. So it's not based on, hey, here's an advantage here. Yeah. Here's what I like about this. It's just a vibe pick. Uh, the pick is going against everything that it's telling me based on the matchup, D-line, O-line, and that kind of stuff. Uh, so I'm picking Cincinnati just because I don't want to pick the Rams. So it's not, I would not back me on this. Where are you? Cincinnati. Cincinnati's going to win this game. So I was the lean on the Rams last week. We did a couple podcasts. I just said, I think the Rams have so much talent. As I started to do research, I realized I was going to regret not picking Joe Burrow. Right. And like you kind of have these feelings. I was pissed at myself for weeks after the last Super Bowl for not seeing that coming. Oh, there's a depleted offensive line and the Bucks are fast as hell. Like, where the hell was I on that one? And the more I read about the last couple of weeks, I've never met anybody like Joe Burrow, okay, at, at the quarterback position. The mentality he has, we did not spend a ton of time together. But in August, when I talked to him, I was like, this is a different guy. Um, and it's interesting to me. I read Ed Ogeron and Bruce Feldman's book over the weekend, and I saw even more evidence of that. There's a story in there where Ogeron is like, oh, yeah, Joe Burrow got in this practice fight. It was like the craziest thing I've ever seen. And then Feldman gets Burrow's side of it. And the story is that there had been a practice fight earlier in the practice and Burrow couldn't get in. Like he was like trying to trying to weasel his way into the fight, couldn't get in there. So he just started another fight that he could be in with Patrick Queen. And it's like, what, what other quarterback is doing that? It's a totally different thing. And I, I don't like how comfortable he is getting hit. Um, I, we live in a post-Andrew Luck world, but he's tough as hell and he wants to get hit and he's fine with it. And two weeks ago, we saw that. But the adjustments that they made last week were interesting to me. And that's why we talked about the, the defensive line with the Rams. Okay, we know that the, the offensive line for the Bengals is completely mismatched. They know that too. And they knew that against Kansas City last week. He got the ball out really quickly. His superpower is vision, throwing into tight windows, um, understanding his weaknesses, using his legs when he has to, playing some of the best situational football of any quarterback uh, in the league right now, knowing how to get a first down when he needs it. And I think that when I saw the adjustments that the offense made last week against Kansas City, leaving aside how good the defensive adjustments were, I just think that they're going to be able to handle it. I, I, I heard a thing a couple of weeks ago. Uh, NFL Films doing this really cool podcast with old interviews. And Steve Sable asked Andy Reid, if you could go into a facility and have a spy, and he could find out anything about the other team. Who would it, what would you what would you do? What would you task them with? And Reed was like, I know this is gonna sound silly, but I would find out who's got the biggest heart, right? Like, and, and I just thought about that. Like, it's Andy Reed, one of the best coaches ever, saying that. And I kind of feel like this game's gonna be close, and it's gonna come down to Joe Burrow. And all the anecdotes, you know, Brian Callahan and OC told me they want Burrow and Peyton Manning mode. Zach Taylor had the story in Peter King's column today that in overtime, Joe Burrow was just coming to the sideline and saying, here's the play I want to run. And he was perfect every single time. This game's going to be close and to come down to Joe Burrow. And the quarterbacks are so similar. They both run a ton of empty. They're both awesome against man. Don't put one safety against them. Um, but it's going to come down to Joe Burrow late. And, and I'm in on Joe Burrow. Okay, that was a massive 
massive sell on on Burrow. The LSU stories I'd always heard about Burrow, I like I'd go, wait, what? Like, remember they played Miami, as you do, um, which was yes. previous to the national championship run. I guess there was something that happened on the field, like everybody's barking. I mean, it's Miami, it's LSU, yeah. teams that like to talk, and Burrow just like came up into the pile and put an L in one of the Miami Hurricanes players' face and was like, take this <laughs> L. And he like, and guys, and people didn't really know. Right at yeah. that point, they were like, "How was this guy going to react?" And by the way, like he was, he was good. He was tough. He was okay that first year, and then he has one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen at the position. So maybe we're getting a little too caught up in all of it because the defensive numbers would never have you pick Cincinnati. The Rams are one of what the three best defenses in the NFL this year by some sure. metrics, the best. Um, Stafford finally away from Detroit and not having any support has real support. So for me, this is. He gets he's allowed to be validated by those that doubted him, but we're still two bad picks away from all of those people feeling like they were always right about him the whole time. And the D line situation with Vaughn, with with all of these other guys beyond Donald, like that entire sure. group now. And I know Vaughn Miller is technically a linebacker, but the way they position these yeah. guys around and all he the different it. stuff that they do, um, there's not really a lot of football reasons to pick a ten and seven regular season team against the Rams. But you're doing it for the big burrows. Go ahead. You, you Okay, no, no. I mean, these are two four seeds. This is the first time since the playoffs expanded in 1990 that none of the top three seeds in the NFL made it. So it's not like the Rams are some juggernaut. They they listen, their defense is really good. And they play really good zone defense. I think the f- fourth most in the league, something like that. And that has been Joe Burrow's kryptonite. Um, so there are football reasons where there's a matchup problem here. Um, Seth Green had a really good piece about this a couple of days ago. We basically said that the advantage that the Bengals have is that they're going to get the ball out quickly like they did against Kansas City. And they the, the Rams leave the middle of the field kind of open. They have five, five uh, linemen a lot. Uh, their linebackers are not amazing. So I think that's one kind of check mark. Um, but the, I agree with you. The Rams defense is really, really good. They're going to bring the pressure. My thought is that the Bengals are not dumb enough to sit there and say, we're going to sit here, sit here in the pocket and let Joe Burrow get hit 11 times, 12 times. Um, there's a reason that Joe Burrow led the NFL in 50-yard receptions this year with Jamar Chase. Um, I think he's pretty like historically good at that. Um, I don't think that's their game plan this week. And so I think that there's ways Joe Burrow can diagnose quickly, process quickly, and, and kind of neutralize that defense. Yeah, there's a long play number that they had this year with Chase that yeah. was one of the greats that like we've ever seen. So I don't know specifically, but I know vaguely kind of what you were talking about there. Yeah. Do you think the Tennessee game then helped them? Like, do you think the Tennessee game helped them prepare for this game? Like, even though it was a beating that it was, it was, I think mentally it helped them with Kansas city. I also think this is who the Cincinnati team is like throughout different stretches of the year. I've loved them because I did feel yeah. like there was a lot of fight in them. But then as I've mentioned before on my pot, it's tough to buy into the team that loses to the Jets and Browns back to back weeks. Sure. Granted, the Jets game was screwed up at the end. They get their asses kicked by the Browns and you're like, all right, I still love this team's heart. Like what's going on here? But I wonder how much of that, that Tennessee yeah. front beating them up prepares them at least a little bit game plan wise and some of the stuff they may want to get into early against LA. Yeah, so by the way, the Browns game, Joe Burrow talked about that Browns game this morning in his first Super Bowl press conference. He basically said that was the moment that we knew we just couldn't turn the ball over like that. Um, they didn't become, they, they became more aggressive as the season went along after week 14. I think they were passing on early down to 60%. I think, by the way, 
Uh, that cratered, obviously, last week, and Zach Taylor went back to, to running the ball a lot more. I think counterintuitively, because that line is so good on, on Los Angeles, that I think that they're probably going to pass a little bit more and be a little more aggressive because you're not just going to waste downs like you did against Kansas City. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor are smart enough for that. Um, but I agree. I mean, the, the, the Tennessee thing is was an inflection point because I, you know, they the Oakland or the Los Angeles, excuse me, Las Vegas game uh, was kind of a mess for them. Um, I think going into Tennessee and and winning and the scheme that they saw, um, I completely agree. And I also think that part of it, getting comfortable in close games is is a real, uh, it's a trait that you pick up. And going on the road and winning is a trait that you pick up. Um, Sean Payton was on Slow News Day last year, and he picked the Bucks to win the Super Bowl last year. And I said, why? And he basically just said, when a team goes on the road and wins, that builds on itself. And I think that's a really interesting thing. Um, and I think that that's, that's there's a, a feeling you get. And again, there's tons of scheme stuff. There's tons of matchup stuff here. Um, but I think that the Bengals learned different lessons in all of their wins um, because I think Joe Burrow is undefeated when he's an underdog of more than three points of this season, this season. Um, and they, they're they able to learn lessons from their losses. And I think it's a really interesting uh, vibe in that way. Team building. I was going through Sando's piece this morning. Um, we have a ton of evidence that spending in free agency is stupid. Sure. I, I don't know that that can be disputed. It doesn't mean it never works. And Cincinnati, which is kind of an interesting one because you look at it and you go, okay, Hendrickson has been incredible at the edge. Uh, Ogunjobi, the D tackle who's yeah. out. But I mean, you know, like he got he got hurt in the playoff game. Um, Riley at tackle, he got hurt. And you're like, wait, so yeah. um, some of the guys got hurt. Some of the guys absolutely produced. I think Arizona is another example. I remember talking with somebody about it. And it's like, okay, but if you look at Arizona, they went all in. They bring in J.J. Watt. He played really well. He had an injury uh -huh. history. And guess what? He got hurt. And that was it. Um, you know, Hopkins, he was already there. A.J. Green, I think, was pretty clear. Like, he just wasn't, wasn't the same guy that you'd expect. Like, they went in on some of the other veterans. It's like, okay, well, when you go all in, what does that really mean? Well, Cincinnati even lost a few of these guys, but yeah. I think overall you're still sitting there saying this approach worked. And for the Rams, like there have been things they've done. I'm like, what are you doing? Where yeah. paying Gurley earlier than they had to at a position you don't want to pay. Uh, the Brandon Cooks transaction. I was like, that didn't make some sense. So then you start packaging them all together going, wait, does the Jalen Ramsey thing make all the sense? Well, it does. It makes sense to move multiple picks to go get maybe the best guy at his position. The Stafford one makes sense. How much impact do you think like this influences any kind of team building because I don't I kind of hate the year to year shift that we think we're all supposed to do it the way the two teams have done it that are playing in the Super Bowl. I was negging some of the Rams guys I know at the Alabama Georgia game saying you guys can't draft anybody on the field right now like you're done like you cannot maybe you can find an eighth grader but you're good uh, maybe you can get Bryce Young in a trade in uh, in seven years. The t the free agency thing is fascinating to me because I I did not like letting William Jackson and Carl Lawson walk. I was wrong about that. Duke Tobin, who's their, their personnel guy, along with Mike Brown, the owner, they've got six scouts. They've got six, We've got more NFL podcasters than they have scouts, okay? And it's amazing what they were able to do. Hendrickson, one of the best freight and signings in the years. Mike Hilton, probably the best slot corner. Um, Breer had that in his comedy. They thought that, and they were right. Awuzie, I mean, like, you just look at the last play of the half there, uh, against Kansas City, it wasn't just the play Eli Apple made. It was also jamming Demarcus Robinson um, on the other side. Uh, it, th this is a probably a a um, it's going to be hard to replicate. 
in the sense that you, you not everybody's going to hit every single year on free agency. I think with the rising cap, and this is a, a weird year because the cap hasn't risen as much as it has normally, but we're going to get that spike, especially with new TV deals in a couple of years. Um, I think with free agency, teams have gotten more comfortable with that. Um, the Rams understand. I, I've used this analogy before, but um, you know, Nick Saban used to say, that the reason he left the NFL was because he couldn't control his own destiny. He felt if he worked hard and he did all the things he did at college, he could still end up not getting the right draft pick, not getting the right free agent. This guy got franchise tagged, whatever. There's just so many uncontrollables. What the Rams have done is that they have removed the doubt. They're not going to say, let's take the, some guy with 29 or let's take a guy with 58. Let's go get Von Miller for one year. He's gonna, it's going to be an overpay. The, the Broncos had to take uh, some of his contract. And so they, they did overpay just for the value of what Von Miller was for, for half a season. Um, but I think that both these teams built in a way that made sense for them. Um, Jesse Bates had a quote this morning, actually. We basically said, like, the key here is bringing in once-in-a-lifetime once type players, and I think he was referring to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and then surrounding them with the right guys in the locker room. That was their plan. The Bengals were never going to go all in. I mean, you look at their draft history, so many times it is literally just pick once, one through seven, or they, you are you know, one through three, and then two, two fourth round picks or whatever, but they're not going to sit around. They're not going to go full Belichick and trade down a bunch, and they're not going to go full Rams and trade the first round pick for anything. They're a very conservative franchise, and so what I would say is that there's no real team building lessons um, from this, I, I think a lot of times teams look at the the final four and run kind of reports on on what scouting departments uh, need to see, to, what colleges they come from, height, weight, speed, well, all that stuff. Um, I don't think there's a lot to learn from these two teams because they were in dramatically different situations. The Rams, by the way, were doing some of this stuff because they needed to get fans. Like they they couldn't do like a ten year rebuild because nobody in L.A. would would like this team if that happened. So that's part of the all-in thing, too. Cincinnati was not doing that. So completely different situations. I don't think either of these teams um, are saying anything more broad about how football works. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up Hilton, too, because I saw something this morning. Like, he graded out as the second best corner, I think, on something. Was that, yes. was that it? So I mean, I think it wouldn't surprise that, me. That would show, I, well, I don't know. I don't, I think casual Sunday observers would go. I know when I read it, I was, yeah. I, I was surprised. I was surprised. And then you look at the Eli Apple part of it. Like that's, that's the thing is within their own success with some of the free agents, maybe it's casting big net, but I think it was like over 145 million in guaranteed salaries from Cincinnati, which is not, you don't need to be a Cincinnati fan to realize that is not exactly the way they operate. That's not their history financially. Um, and that's, that's just true too. The front office part of it, like people that know as you do, We'll go, no, no, you don't understand. Like, it's still an NFL franchise that operates as if we're still in the 1980s. Yeah. And that's why I rarely have any sympathy for ownership when they talk about their day to day or their losses. Because, as you pointed out with their new TV deal, as I pointed it out at the top with the new NBA TV deal, it's going to happen, I think, 2024, 25. Like, I don't want to hear about your operating losses because the asset itself appreciates. All right. And you don't have to share any of that appreciation other than the old, the old tax man. But we'll leave that conversation. Um, for a different day. All right. You're doing slow news day. You gave sure. us the rundown. Are you going in person or are you doing it over? Yeah. Zoom? No, we're doing it in person. We got news. You're in LA. Everything. Yeah. I'm in Where? downtown LA. And here's one thing I didn't know about downtown LA. The people with the loudest cars in the world just drive around these streets at like three in the morning. I had to go to target yesterday and go to the baby section and buy a white noise machine just to get to sleep. What's going on a, in downtown LA? They don't have, Adult noisemakers? They did not. I asked. They were like, you got to go to the baby section, brother. 
What about earplugs? What about the soft ones? I, I, I went to the white. I mean, I don't earplugs. Then that interferes with your alarm. I would say, I would think, right? Nah, I don't think so. The no. baby white noise machine worked. Was it? Was, was it? What kind of noise is it making? Like a fan, like a loud fan, like a loud fan. It was good. White noise is back. It's good. Are, are you radio row all week? Um, part of it. Yeah. You're not coming down, are you? You hate no. Radio Row. Yeah, I'm not the going. Best thing, the best thing you've ever said about Radio Row, and it's something I actually think about a lot with everything, is there's only one thing worse than getting hounded for interview requests at Radio Row, and it's not getting hounded for radio requests. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a really wise thing about, about media, that one day we're going to be 68 and wandering around, and Albuquerque, ESPN <laughs> Albuquerque is not going to ask us for 10 minutes. <laughs> It's, I don't know, man, it depresses me. And by the way, I want everybody to know, I'm not saying I don't want to go because everybody's going to want to talk to me. Um, I'm not that much of an egomaniac. I don't think at least on that topic. I just, there's something about it that depresses me when I see older local market deals and I go, I, I will, I can promise you right now that will never be me. And I know that's what everybody said when they were younger, but I can't. I can't do it. Radio Row fucks me I, up. I think you're good. I don't, I don't think you're going to have to go back to local radio if that's what your if that's what your fear is. You never know. You never know. You never know. There's no guarantees. Um, I'd probably open up a coffee shop somewhere. Do like spoken word. Host it. But I, you know what? Let me In, not. I haven't thought near, this out nearby? enough. Okay. I don't know. Right. I haven't thought. We're not with the real estate prices here. No, no. We have to keep costs down. So maybe Albuquerque. Something like that. You know, I haven't really thought this out. So let's not. Let's not. So how yeah. many days are you going to Radio Row? Probably three, Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday stuff for the pod, and then Thursday, Friday. Yeah, it's good. I like, I like the. Ne- I have not seen a lot of people in football, and so I like going down there and just seeing who's down there and talking to them. It's good. I think it Radio is a Row, good. You, yeah, it's yeah. a good networking deal. It is. Yes, yes, because players are around, and it's like there's some players you get offered where it's like I don't really want to talk to them for a pod, but like I like to see them and just talk to them for two minutes, like that, that kind of stuff. And then like sometimes. There's a one time, one time Michael Buffer came over to us and they were just like, can you do, had just have Michael Buffer on? And I was like, no, I don't want Michael. what am I going to talk about with Michael Buffer? And so then I just had him just do a bunch of slow news day promos and I have no idea where they are. He'd said he, he did yeah, voiceover well, stuff for you for he, free. Yes, yes, yes. And I have no idea. He was like, it's slow news day with Kevin Clark. Let's get ready for slow news day. Let's get ready for the ringer.com. He did that for me because he was just standing at a radio row table. I have no idea who filmed it. Somebody on our social team. It was three years ago. That's valuable stuff right there. I know, buddy. I was thinking about it last week. That's that's buffer IP. He doesn't do that for less than a million dollars for some of these. No, I can't believe he did it for you. I have two stories. James Earl Jones came on the Dan Patrick show. This is over 10 years ago. And they were trying to get him to say... Like Dan is really great at interviews and he's also funny yeah. and he's clever. And they were trying to figure out some mechanism without being like, Hey, will you say, Hey, it's James Earl Jones of the Dan Patrick show. And they're trying to get him to like do little voiceover things. And then basically he was like, yeah, I usually get like a million bucks for that. So no. Yeah. And he said, no, he was the and, CNN guy for like two decades. This is CNN. That's right. right. Yeah. And Darth Vader, which people obviously probably yeah, a lot of people knew. That's, that's probably his headliner. DJ who kid, we used to have Trump on all the time before he became president. And so mm-hmm. he had Trump saying 
you're listening to the Hollywood Shuffle. And now I was like, <laughs> I was like, do you still, I asked who kid, I was like, do you have like any hesitation on playing that? And he was, I mean, if you know who kid at all, he's like, no, nah, fuck no. It's like, I just, he's like, I have the president promoing my, my radio show. Of course, I'm going to play the sounder. And I was like, okay, okay. So again, let's not make it political because buffer, it's not even political. That's a huge win no. for you, Kevin, on top yeah, of that. Well, okay. So now, it. now that we've covered that, what is your Russell Wilson plan? He's the worst interview in the business. Yeah, I talked to him last summer. And you can get him on, on some stuff. He's, by the way, a huge Yellowstone sicko. Loves it. Loves it. You could get him probably on the pod with you and CR. Um, Pass. I haven't thought about the game plan. Um, you know, does may, I live in New York. Does he maybe need, does he want restaurant recommendations for if he forces a trade? to the Giants. I don't know. No, I'm joking. But like, I, I don't know. I don't know what he wants to talk about and what he's comfortable talking about. And the thing about Russell is that he will talk about whatever he wants to talk about in a way that I think is disarming. And I'm not going to um, like, I, he, he's really good at this. He's really good at this. And like he, I asked him last summer, like, what, what are you excited about for the season? And he just did like 10 minutes on just like how much he loves Gerald Everett. And I'm like, I, okay, like now that that's great. But I, I just didn't expect, he's very good at uh, filling time. How's that? Yeah, I would, I would agree that he's good at filling yeah. time because he'll, he'll go. I just would love to know what your plan is. I just want to like know. Him. I like him. I'm, I'm pro Russell Wilson. You think he's a good interview? You don't think he's a good think, interview. You just booked him I, this week. No. <laughs> I, I interviewed him for the first time. We, you came on Swan Newsday and I showed you how, how fat I was um, when I interviewed him in 2013, something like that. And he said, that, so, so what, <laughs> what, uh, what, what Russell is good at is saying things without uh, explicitly saying it, right? So like he was renegotiating his contract in 2014. Or he, was, he was starting to renegotiate his contract. And the thing he said to me was he wants to own a team. Like he wants to own a professional franchise. And that's his way of saying, like, I, I want to do a contract that is worth gobs of money. At that point, he'd won the Super Bowl and they were behind. He, he made less money than the team's long snapper that year. Um, and so that was his way of saying, basically, like, let's let's do this in contract negotiations. So I think that's the way he approaches it. And so you kind of just have to know it's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not Joe Burrow. Um, Joe Burrow is as honest a quarterback as I've I've come across Patrick Mahomes in the same boat. He's not going to be that. So just find a different avenue. Who passed on you this week? Who who wouldn't come on? Yeah. Who was the one you were like, oh, this is going to be amazing. And it's like, uh, still, I, I've actually asked for Mac Jones and I have, I have not gotten a, a yes or a no to that. So I saw him yesterday. I, I was I was at the Pro Bowl. He got in there. I, I didn't even know he was on the team. I think Mac Jones is a lean no. I think. That name was floated to me last week, and I think it's a lean no. Whom who has passed? Josh Allen canceled on me um, over the summer, so he's a, he's a um, he's a a kind of pie in the sky at some point. Get him back on. Um, who who passed? I don't th I don't think we reached out to anybody and got a hard no. Oh, um, Phil Sims, but only because he's not going to be out here. So Phil, oh, if you got right. if you don't know Phil Sims, 
uh, had one of the best slow news day performances in history two years ago where he just came on, lit me up, lit everybody up. I made fun of our producer, Jason Gallagher, and we've been trying to get him on for two years since, and he hasn't he's, uh, hasn't said yes. And we tried again this, this week, and I think that he's not going to do anything this week. So that's that. Yeah, it's a busy week. It's a busy week, and he didn't have to worry about the NBA trade deadline like you do. Am I really that worried? <laughs> Are you worried that they're going to sell high on Bamba? No. I mean, I, listen, Saruti texted me the other day and he's talking about uh, Lopez. And I'm just like, I have got, I've become so unattached to every single player in this rebuild. I just look at, I, I look at, uh, I look at every player at, with their probability to become a superstar. That's the only way we're going to get out of this with the magic. The only way we're going to get out of this is one of these guys becomes a legitimate top 10 guy. And Mo Bamba is not going to be that. So I literally just don't, I don't care. Like this is not, we're not assembling a team in any coherent way. We're just trying to maximize a way out of this. Like there's, are we going to keep tanking? Like it's ludicrous um, how long we've been in this, this rudderless situation. And I just, I want it to end. And that ends with one of these guys hitting on the lottery. So to Sorry, speak, let's, superstar let's, lottery. Let's bring you in here. Let's do some rapid fire magic stuff. Um, I, <laughs> I suggested let's when I did it. my 100 player update in or out last <laughs> week, which it may have been the quickest review of 100 players done in the history of, <laughs> of, of media. Uh, and I, can I share one reaction though? I think there was some Spurs blogger that was like Rosillo went through and did his in or out for all big three, and he only could name one spur. And then he did <laughs> space bar, which you know is fucking business when somebody does a tweet and it's like, here's a couple sentences, but here's a space bar, and then here's the next sentence. You're like, uh-oh, buckle up. And he goes, lazy reporting. <laughs> lazy reporting. Because I think the spurs are a lock, a lock for the 30th team out of the 30 NBA teams on league pass rankings. Whenever I go through and I'm deciding what what's going to be on which TV, now we had suggested the Magic were very no near way. that. No, no, not, no, not now. No, wrong. I agree with you. Okay, so give me your league pass <laughs> rankings though below the Magic. Like, what's a what's disgusting to you to even propose that this team could be at the same level of interest on league pass rankings? Thirty. Uh, I would say Indiana. Not super exciting, especially without Levert. <laughs> uh, the Spurs are obviously in there. I mean, Portland minus Dame is is just not fun whatsoever. Um, I'd throw Houston in there. I mean, I guess Jalen yeah. Green, Sangoon's kind of exciting, but I mean, I'm biased here. I'd rather watch the Magic. So there's probably like four or five teams maybe that are below them. I think that's fair. That's fair. Got Am I missing anybody? You don't like France? All right. Like, look, Pacers, great call. Detroit. But no, with Cade, I like watching Cade. I like, yeah, I like Cade. right. I'm just yeah. trying to suggest, and it's not just about bad teams because I don't, you know, Houston's right now the third worst record in the league. I still have moments where I like to watch some of the Houston's. I actually like a lot of the role players. Sacramento could potentially be in the mix because it's so predictable, but you still, Halliburton's fun. You're just like, hey, am I going to watch Fox at the end of the games here? Oklahoma City, especially without Shea playing, but then Giddy is so much They're actually fun. Kind of, yeah. Pelicans, no Zion. I kind of know what I'm getting there. Um, I, I don't know that there's you an know, argument against the Spurs. I, I would love, because if you wanted me to go Spurs head up with every one of those other teams, I'm going to tell you I want to watch Giddy. I'm going to tell you I want to watch Jalen Green. Um, mm-hmm. Portland you know is a good pick. watch? 
sneaky terrible watch is the Knicks. Terrible watch. Awful. Absolutely terrible. No fun. Randall's a mess. I mean, Obi's kind of fun every once in a while. Not a fun team to watch. Would you do tra- Would you do Ben Simmons for Franz right now? No. <laughs> no. 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 I, I, also, I've said this. It's what we talked about, Ryan, last year, last year with the Westbrook thing. Is it, it doesn't actually matter if it improves your team. You just don't want to have to deal with it right now. Like our team is not in the ev- that evolutionary stage where this makes any sense. It would just derail everything else. I did propose this though, uh, Kev. I, I forget, was it last pod or the pod before? That the Sixers should loan Ben Simmons to the Magic because they have this kind of like reclamation project with like kind of disastrous Sixers players. Like we've sort of transformed Markel Fultz into like a, a reasonably decent point guard. I mean, he's hurt now, but maybe he should spend some time in Orlando. I don't know what we'd get out of it. Like, I don't want, I don't think I want him long term, but like we get sure. an asset down the line for just loaning him and like rehabilitating him and sending him back out into the NBA world. Are you proposing we just become like the Borussia Dortmund of the NBA? <laughs> and yeah, we like just always develop these young guys and then just send them to Philly when they're ready? It would be more exciting than the last 10 years of Magic Basketball. I'll say that. I guess. I guess. Um, but no, Franz is... No, I, I don't Franz, want Ben Simmons on this team. No, Franz is, Franz is better than Ben Simmons. He is. What, okay, what if I said Cole, Jalen, and the rights to Aleem Ford <laughs> that they may not even have anymore for Ben Simmons? No, I'm still on the Jalen bandwagon. What about Okiki and Wendell Carter? <laughs> no, That's I love... I, first yeah. off, love both Wait, those guys. <laughs> for Ben Simmons? Yeah, I, I would do take it. that. Okay, you would I, do that one? Kevin? I would do okay. Yes. <laughs> no way. <gasps> Wait, you you're doing? still saying no, Saruti? It's, like, it's like a free Ben Simmons. Uh, making a lot of money. I actually we, like okay, Wendell Carter this, this, Jr.'s this contract. Something... I have high hopes for a Kiki. I, I, I yeah. would take Simmons for free. I don't know if I'd give that much up for him. This is something, Ryan, that you probably see all the time. And because we're deluded Magic fans, you probably see it in us. as, as, as We overrate all of our young players. That's just every fan base. Every fan base says, oh, you haven't seen it because we haven't seen them fail yet, right? And I feel, I love Okiki because he's exceeded our expectations because he put, he played so well when he came back last year because of the story, you know, basically redshirted in the NBA, right? Went, went to Lakeland there for a couple of years. Um, I, I love the Carter acquisition, loved it. But both of those guys are not like wide, wide level difference makers. Like that's, they're not, it's not going to improve our franchise's fortunes. We have both those guys and we're not a very good team. So I would take, I've now flipped on this and now I'm pro Ben Simmons, right? Just because of Saruti's stance on this. No, but, but, but okay. It's one thing if Ben Simmons goes to Brooklyn and he's playing next to Kyrie and KD, like I like that fit. If he goes to Orlando, he's Orlando's best player. And that's a, mm-hmm. just, that's a disaster. That's not going to be a good situation. So I, I mean, yeah, all right. He's like a, a the better player of those three that are getting traded in that scenario. I don't know, man. Because like, I, 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 I number done. one, I think we're I'm done. Out. We're done. We can't, we can't keep going. Because I had a few others, but like, you won't do a Ben Simmons deal centered around Okiki. So I like I Wendell can't. Carter Jr. And, and Wendell. So, all right. All right. Final, final moment here with Kevin. Um, any early off-season reads, draft stuff, anything that surprised you in the intel gathering that I put you on the spot here a little bit. So no, no, I'm just, fine. I'm just curious if like, hey, look out for kind of this because I know we're going to do a bigger quarterback podcast probably right after the Super Bowl because I want to mm-hmm. just kind of recap what do we have in draft, 
value where yeah. we have with the free agency stuff. This was supposed to be this phase of a lot of quarterback movement. Um, we're not going to get the total numbers of what the possibilities are, but what do you think? How do you assess kind of what we could be looking going into free agency? Um, I think that you're talking about the draft or free agency or just kinda, offseason in general. Just, just throw it out there. Whatever you feel. The, just, qu- the question you're basically is that you're just saying, the question you're asking is quarterbacks question mark? That's yeah, it, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Malik Willis helped himself last week. Um, I think a lot of teams, he has the capability for teams to fall in love with him. Um, I think it's, it's, this is a cliche answer, but the dominoes all start with the superstars, right? If Aaron Rodgers decides he's not coming back. I mean, I think the pr- problem with, with the stance last year with the Packers was how ambiguous it was, which was they're going to reassess his situation. Uh, that was the promise. They're going to reassess his situation after the season. Well, the Packers can reassess the situation and say, oh, cool. We reassessed it. You're back on the team, right? Like that, that you could just do that. Um, so if Aaron wants to play hardball again, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. Um, so it starts there. If Russell wants to wants to make a change, um, we'll see how it goes. And by the way, no star quarterback yet has forced his way out. So we have no idea if it's even possible. Um, I think someone like Garoppolo, I mean, I really do think he can help a team. I really do think he can help a team. And if that's a team like Pittsburgh, that's ready to win now. Um, that 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 could be good. I mean, I think it was funny. We, we had Shazier on the pod a couple weeks ago, and I said, what what is the what is the path forward here for the Steelers? And he said, well, there's what they should do and there's what the Steelers will do. And this, what the Steelers will do, like the Steelers way is what he was saying, um, is just promote from within, be conservative. What they should do is, is understand that they have the capability to compete next year and, and make a trade for a quarterback. So I'd be intrigued in that way. Um, I just think that there's, this time last year, we were not talking about Wilson, Rodgers, any of these guys um, becoming available. And so I think there's probably going to be some surprises. Uh, I also think that like you said, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were on this pod, the quarterbacks are going to start shooting up the draft boards. And scouts didn't love these quarterbacks, but once the coaches get involved, all of a sudden you've got three guys in the top half of the draft, um, top half of the first round. So that will be something fascinating to watch. And then the dominoes from free agency flow from there. Or free first. But, you know, once, once if there's a team like the, you know, the Giants of five who say, we love this. Um, we love this guy. We love Sam Howell. We love um, Malik Willis. We love Kenny Pickett. Doesn't matter. Um, that then informs whether or not they're going to go and and try to trade three first-round picks for quarterback. You're the best. Enjoy the week, Kevin. Appreciate it. See you, buddy. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cashback on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, subject to credit approval, savings available to Apple Card owners, subject to eligibility, savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. A gentleman always opens the door for you, but the gentlemen are just as likely to break it down and stash their drugs inside. The Gentleman, based on Guy Ritchie's award-winning film, is a new Netflix series that follows a whole new cast of criminal lords and ladies slumming it in Britain's criminal underworld. Guns out and pinkies up. Don't miss The Gentleman, now playing only on Netflix. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari. 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Before we get to life advice, uh, might want to do a little little Vegas recap. 
Uh, the boy was um, was invited to go to the NHL All-Star Game and the Pro Bowl, back-to-back days. Vegas, the hub of entertainment. We know that. And I don't think I'll ever, ever go to the Pro I'll never go to the Pro Bowl again. Um, unless Is it's that the first my- Pro Bowl you've watched in a decade? I don't know how long it's been since I've watched it. I I never, I mean, I used to bet on it when oh, I gosh. was in my early 20s, you know, because you're just like, all right, give me AFC plus three and a half, you know. Uh, I remember I bet a sweater. My other buddy, we were so broke. We were like, let's bet the game. And then he's like, I love that sweater. And I was like, my mom gave me that sweater for Christmas. J. Crew, that's like a nice wool oh. hand net. And he was like, 50 bucks. So he was going to, he was going to give me 50 if I won. And I was going to give him the sweater my mother had just given me for Christmas because it was a Pro Bowl, right? We're only like a month plus removed. I lost. She asked about that sweater for a couple of years. She said, what happened to that really nice J. Crew wolf? I was like, ah, God. And my buddy loved it. He's like, that sweater's awesome. And he just wore it with pride for, for a couple of years. It was my roommate wearing the sweater my mother gave me because I didn't have enough money to bet on the game. Um, so... Uh, seeing it live, it's even worse. And I, by the way, thanks to everybody that invited me. I don't know if I'm supposed to say. It was basically like, hey, do you want to go to this thing? And I said, yeah, no problem. So I drove to Vegas. I've done it a couple of times. I drove Saturday morning, got there. NHL All-Star Game. It's three on three. It's cut up by the division. So it was like, it was a, it was a final four and then they played each other. Being a goalie in an NHL All-Star Game when it's three on three is the worst. That must suck. Um, but I didn't love it because you know you watch it. Here's there's like there's another conversation you could. Have. We've been so obsessed with tweaking all of these things that there was a big part of me on Saturday was like, can't the East just play the West? <laughs> Can we just have an All Star game? Like is that such a big deal? And now I think that's where we're going to start seeing people happen or see happening because and then it's going to happen and people are going to go. You know what? I kind of just like this East versus West thing. Fucking crazy concept. We just have the best players for one conference play the others and the teammates sometimes are together. And, and that's instead of the drafts and all this tweaking that we've done in these leagues now, like crazy. So um, there was that. I was lame as hell on Saturday night. There was just a moment and there was a table that was reserved. And I was like, what time's the table? And they're like, we're at excess at 1.30. And I looked at the Uber lot behind me and we were at the blackjack table and I looked at my watch and I went, I'm out. And I just left and I went back to the room, got a good night's sleep. And I was getting texts being like, is something wrong? I'm like, no, nothing's been more right. Like I just, I'd had two drinks. I was going to have to power through another two hours before we get to our table. I know the deal, you know, been through the wars. And I went, I don't want to have to prime myself just to get ready for this and then go and like, you know, probably get there at two and then you know, I get a podcast. I got to entertain the country on Monday morning. I mean, because that me, wasn't going to be. Let me be... get this straight. You drove from L.A. Yeah. To Vegas to yeah, watch four... the to basically just watch the Pro Bowl and the NHL All Star Game, which was three on three. Played a little bit of blackjack and then drove home. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> nice. it took me and it took me six plus hours <laughs> to get home. Like I had heard about the L.A. the Vegas to L.A. commute traffic on Sunday. I'd never hit it before. It's absurd. Like right as you get through Barstow, past Palmdale, it doesn't start breaking up again until you get kind of closer to where I live, and you're just sitting there. I mean, it was, I, you know, Vegas clearly is popular, 
Like I, I like it, right? I'm, I'm definitely getting over it. I don't like when people say, oh, it's because of Vegas. And you're like, no, no, it's because of you. You got older and your priorities are a little different. And you were just like, all right, I'm, I'm over it a little bit. Oh, by the way, don't leave out that Machine Gun Kelly performed at oh. halftime. Um, or the intermission, I should say, because it's not really halftime in hockey. Machine Gun Kelly, who we called Machine Greg Kelly, because it kind of was like if Cousin Greg were a rock star, I kind of feel like that's what he would have done. Like, oh, um, we we play uh, originals as as well as some covers. And uh, then I actually saw Machine Gun Kelly and, and uh, Megan Fox out a little bit later. We did not talk. We did not hang out. So that was uh, that was about it. But Vegas. Were, uh, go ahead, Sarudi. I'm sorry. They weren't part of the crew. I was going to say, I, no, I can't imagine. Not. I can't imagine Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox being a great hang. So if, if that was part of the crew, I'd be like, I understand why you probably dipped out on that. No, it was not that. It was not that low. <laughs> Kyle, where if Machine Gun Kelly walks into the frolic room, do you say something to him? I don't even. I think I, I would. After the initial look, I don't think I would even let him know I saw him. <laughs> wow. I don't think. Scott's like, this is my territory. Get out no, of here. <laughs> it's just. I don't know. I think. I think he would like maybe play a song he's featured on at the jukebox or something, and just like kind of look Ooh. around, be like, do "These guys notice? Do they?" Know? He was a rapper, right? Yeah, I think he's yeah. like a rapper rock star thing. I think here's, it's here's like, what I would say. Yeah, here's here's my full my, my my full machine gun Kelly take. I respect the fuck out of what he's done because he's just he's just been in the mix now and it keeps growing. I don't know. And granted, I'm older. I think he's in Jackass now. I think he is in Jackass, and that's what a pivot. He was in Catfish maybe a decade ago. <laughs> he was like the the, the celebrity guest. He used to show up to the draft stuff with the Cavs. He's just, he's done whatever he can do to remain famous, and he, he remains famous, uh, you know, and he's doing an NHL All-Star weekend. So I kind of give him credit, even though I don't know that I've ever met one person ever who was like, oh, did you hear the new Machine Gun Kelly? Fucking. <laughs> don't think I've ever been asked. Just Fire. hammers. <laughs> Flamethrower, yeah. Right. He Oh, he upped the game on this one. <laughs> I've never I heard anyone ever song. say it. I couldn't. I, I know yeah. he actually, I know he does a song with Halsey, right? I know he did a song with Waka Flocka, uh, just because I like Waka Flocka. Um, but I, I don't, I couldn't tell you like his popular songs. I couldn't. No idea. No, and it's not a diss. It's just an observation. That's it. No, yeah. Listen, I, I do feel like though, he's one of those guys where like both he and Megan Fox were like, you know, they're, you're right. Their, their fame was kind of dwindling and they're like, hey, should we just date and like be weird? And like give each other weird engagement rings and then get married and then everybody can start talking about us. Yeah, sure. And then everybody starts talking about them and now they're back in the limelight. So it actually works. And here we are for them. Yeah, Yeah. we we just he's tall as hell, too. Real tall. So not a hooper, though. I don't think he was a hooper. Well, whatever. It's working. I just don't know exactly what it is. So I just want to make sure I gave him respect for that one. When's the last time you've been to Vegas, Kyle? WWE SummerSlam (laughs) worked it for Spotify five days in Vegas with no friends. It was hell. All business. All, All business. business. Oh, well, no. I mean, you know, I'm sneaking off as soon as I'm like, are you guys sure we're done? Are you sure we're done? Because <laughs> all I got to yes. do is is put my thing into this uh, video poker and I can smoke cigarettes and get free drinks at this bar until tomorrow. So, you know, are you sure we're done? They'd be like, yeah, we should be done. I'd be like, okay. So I take it easy for like an hour and then I'd be like, all right, they're not calling me. They don't need me anymore. Um, but five days, it's it felt like I had done something I was being punished or something after day three. I was like, I can't believe I have to be here for two more days. Yeah, that happens to a lot of people when you're in Vegas. 
uh, for a long amount of time. But this was, I don't know. I don't know that I would do again what I just did this weekend, but I had a bigger observation. The reason Vegas works is because it really is in this weird way, freedom for a lot of people from whatever their day to day is. I feel like in general, we're kind of still repressed. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff that people wish they could do. And I'm not talking about like illegal weird shit. I'm just talking about like the guy that dances really well that's in your group, right? The guy that dances like crazy and he goes a little wild. Most of you listening, I know I would be, be like, oh, fucking this guy again. Let me fucking dance all night. Like be super into it. And by the way, women like it. So maybe there's a little mm. jealousy in that kind of deal. Be like, oh, I get it. You know, He's fired up for weddings. Yeah. He knows it's time to shine. Yeah. And I'd buddy, I had that one buddy, anytime there's a piano around, he would stop and sit down and play it. And you'd just be like, okay, you can play piano. And he was doing it, hoping to get attention. And then, you know, he would hope. But like, sometimes you'd just be like, hey, dude, we're at the mall and we don't want to stand <laughs> and watch you play piano, hoping that a, a girl's going to see you guitar playing. Guitar guy at the party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guitar guy at the party. Um, so I think the people that say, screw it, I actually am just going to to not be repressed with the day-to-day of like, ah, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I'm not going to have that much personality that Vegas kind of allows you now, whether it's the way you dress, the way you party, the gambling part of it, like it allows you to feel like you're not going to do this. And if you don't really believe me, if think about two different things. Why is it that 90% of the people that are on a jumbotron act like a raging idiot? Okay. Because all of a sudden now you're getting this attention and you don't really know what to do. And so then you start making faces or you start dancing around like an idiot. Like I'll see guys that look like accountants lose their shit just because they're on a jumbotron for five seconds. That's actually kind of weird, isn't it? Now I'm not getting on anybody's case, but like all of a sudden now that you have this attention, you're like this, this thing, this thing that kind of keeps you in check. Like, oh, I can't do this or I can't do that. Or I, you know, I don't want to be this attention seeker, but deep down you may actually want it deep down. I think maybe all of us want it. I mean, why do you think everybody has a podcast now? Because deep down, it's well, like, wait, now I actually can be on the air? Like, holy shit, I actually always want to do this, but I wasn't quite sure how, and it was really hard. Now I can do it, and that's why everybody has one. And karaoke is the other example. So, Rudy, I'll let you get in here, but karaoke is basically like, this is maybe something I kind of wanted to do, but I never really had oh, yeah. the guts to do it. But in this setting, it's kind of accepted. Even if I'm not that great, I'll get the stage for five minutes. And I think that's what Vegas is in a in a different way. It's a different definition of of releasing whatever inhibitions that you have about yourself that most of us keep ourselves in check with. But maybe deep down, it's like, you know, I kind of wish I could do some of that stuff. And I also think it's why people resent the success of the people that do do it, like Machine Gun Kelly. There you go. Boom. Brought it all the way around. I wore Hawaiian shirts for four out of my five days in Vegas. That was my crazy thing. <laughs> I had two Tommy Bahamas and two... Um, two Levi's and I just, and they were good. They were great. I liked how I pulled them off. I wore them with shorts. Open chests kind of thing. Like we're talking, you know, I was testing three, it three out. Unbu- three buttons undone. Yeah, I was testing them out. Um, it was kind of cold in there. So sometimes I wore the white t-shirt under, but mostly not. Um, I just, I love the, I love the Hawaiian shirt guy that I was when I was in Vegas. So I see exactly what you mean, bud. Well, wow. your point, Ryan, I think, isn't that why everybody's on TikTok and Instagram now doing like dances and all their weird shit. It's like now that's just a, another form of being on a jumbotron. It's just like, hey, look at me. I have attention. I could play guitar or I could dance. Well, I, I don't know. None of that stuff really is appealing to me, but that seems like it's appealing to most people. It's a fabulous point. Right. Like maybe we are on the cusp of just realizing that all the inhibitions, all the self repression, all of these things where you're just like, well, I, I'd like to do this, but I can't. I can't go and do that. Like, what do people think? 
And that's why I think, you know, certain people that pick different careers, like I know specifically when I first started talking about trying to do this 20 years ago, and again, that was more like I wanted to host a late night talk show or something like that, but I'm not, I'm not that person. Um, they, everybody would be like, that's a terrible idea. Oh, that's hard. Don't do it. You shouldn't do this. And then you realize, well, wait, I'm getting bad advice because they don't want somebody else to try to do something that they never had the balls to try. That's why a lot of the advice for anybody that's trying to do something like be on air, writer, actor, musician, all that kind of stuff. Most of the advice that you're going to get is pretty bad, but a lot of it is basically going to be motivated by that person's own repressive nature about whatever it is, because maybe at some point they had to think. So I think it's just a collection of realizing that most people, I know there's going to be some people who I don't want it. Congrats. You're, you're, you're <laughs> the person that doesn't want any of that. Uh, I think that, that, put it this way, we are realizing now both with what you just said, Saruti, and some of the other things I was touching on, and when you spend just 24 hours in Vegas, you're realizing that we hold ourselves back from some of the expressive things that we would like to do because we just are afraid of how people are going to think about us. And then when people get to Vegas, they're like, fuck it, I don't care. Like, I'm going to dress like this. I'm going to act like this. And then, you know, sit in traffic for six hours on my way back to Barstow. <laughs> Well, your Vegas trip, I don't think, is what most people's Vegas trip is going to be like. Yours is a little more subdued. I did. I subdued myself. I just was like, I don't. Uh, once I knew I had to drive back tomorrow anyway, so I was like, nah. I'm I'll not, I'll do that in this. other cities, though. Like, if there's guys that are going to go all night and I'm a part of the group, whether I want to be there or not, I'll usually stay there if I'm in, like, you know, if I'm in Poughkeepsie or L.A. or whatever. <laughs> but when I'm in another city and I'm not feeling it, I will absolutely do that thing. I'll just, I'll fall off the face of the, fall off the face of the earth. I will. Yeah, when, I, when I'm I, in a different city, but I feel like I, I feel know. like I feel like I have to do it if I'm like you know home and it's like all right, I can take the Uber at three in the morning. I mean, I hate it, but whatever. But if I'm in a different city, I'm like, no, 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 I can I can do whatever I want here. I don't have to I don't have to worry about um, disappointing you. This is my vacation too, pal. So yeah, well said, international Kyle. Yeah, I liked uh, I like both of your contributions to that one, guys. I appreciate it. All right, life advice, life advice, rr at gmail. 63200. My wife and I sold our house in November and we've been living with my parents along with our two kids. Since then, we searched uh, while we searched for our new home, which we finally settled on a few weeks ago. Uh, the new house needs some work done before we move in. And I work a Monday, Friday job. So I spend most of my nights and weekends there getting things in order with wallpaper removal, sanding, spackling, other various touch ups, painting, et cetera, before we move in. It's nothing too difficult, but needs to be done. My dad helps me out on the weekends. Here's the problem. My father-in-law wants to help, and he sucks at doing anything around the house. I like my father-in-law. He's a great guy. We get along well. I just don't trust him with doing anything right, doing anything right when it comes to any type of handiwork. He takes shortcuts. He skips steps. He's a terrible painter. He's retired, so he's constantly looking for things to do and spends multiple days a week in the new house screwing things up while he thinks he's helping. I constantly have to fix his mistakes each night when I'm there after work. I feel like a magical elf sweeping through the house overnight and he has no idea what he's doing and it actually sucks. Uh, how can I get him to back off without being a dick? My wife knows he's not handy, but I haven't told her that I have to redo all of his work and I don't want to hurt his feelings. Tough one. I've got a solution for you. All right. You know how like when you're on a team and the coach would yell at a player that he, could knew, that he knew could take the, the yelling, the verbal abuse? but he's really doing it to yell at somebody else that he doesn't think can take it. What I would do is I would hire some kind of handyman, a professional, and have him show up 
while you're getting ready to say, hey, look, we want to hire you for the night to kind of help us make sure we're headed in the right direction. And if you just do it for a night, it's not going to ruin your budget here. And have them walk through and look at some of the stuff that the father-in-law <laughs> is screwing up and be like, who's who's cutting your edges here? A 10-year-old? Like, oh my God, this is the worst spackling. If you guys ever not, you ever sunk a screw before? And maybe have them yell at some <laughs> of your work too, right? And be like, wait, what, what's... What kind of install is this? I doubt you're doing trim work or installing windows or anything like that or hanging doors, but I would hire somebody or somebody that you know in the business to come and scold everyone's work and tell tell you how terrible you all are at it. Get the contract to be in on it ahead of time. Again, it's not going to be a GC. It's going to have to be like just, you know, Bob the Carpenter. Um, pay him, tell him the deal ahead of time. Let him just rip you guys while your father-in-law is there. And have him point specifically to a couple of things that he did, but it can't just be everything he did. Everybody kind of has to be held accountable. And then you just, you know, he leaves, you put your hand on your shoulders or your hand on your hips and shoulders didn't make any sense. And just be like, man, well, we got to tighten it up around here. And that might get the message through to him or at the very least be a great explanation for why old father-in-law is getting phased out of stage three of the remodel. It could make him like be like, you know what, man? I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna do better. I got I got this great guy on YouTube I've been watching, uh, Dan Dan Home Improvement Dan, and I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm gonna show up at seven a.m. Just leave the key under the mat. I'll get started three hours before you show up. I mean, we're gonna fix this, buddy. But you do run that risk. Yeah, it just doesn't sound like he is capable of being good at any of this stuff though. You know what I mean? Like he <laughs> clearly, he said he cuts corners and all this. I, I just don't know that him being scolded on that is going to help. It might. Uh, Maybe sanding I think you stuff? Tell you, I, think, I think you got to tell your wife. I think just be like, hey, this is kind of becoming a nuisance. Maybe she can kind of like, you know, soften the blow a little bit for you. But I don't think just because he gets yelled at by a contractor that he's magically be get, you know going to become better at caulking. Yeah, but now you have, it doesn't mean he's going to be better, Saruti. Now you have a reason to ask him to get on to his be case. off. Yeah. Or yeah, you could okay. just say, hey, look, by the way, being bad is one thing. If he's actually, and it was a great pickup by you, Saruti, because you know what it's like growing up with your dad. If you're cutting corners, then it's not that you're bad at it. You're also an asshole. Like, I'm going to live here. And you're just like, hey, we put one screw <laughs> on the light switch. <laughs> just like, wait, I doubt that's what he's doing. But I'm just trying to think of an example of like, oh, one will do it. One screw will do it. You're like, no, you know, I doubt you're doing studs for walls on on uh, 16 inch centers or something like that. But I just I'm listening to this going, you have to figure out a way to get him off of the, the site. Again, it's your remodel. So I just stopped talking this way. Um, you got to figure out like this, to me, this isn't about him getting better. It's about having a reason to ask him to never come back. Is there, it's is not there another task, though? Like, I was trying to think if there's another task around the house. Like, can, can he organize, like, if you guys are putting in wood floors, can he just, like, organize them by size? Like, that's hard to fuck up. Like, give him stuff that's hard to fuck up. You know what Sanding, I mean? Sanding, that's that way, Yeah, like, not, not stuff that you could actually see, like, how poor of a job he did in the house. Just, like, organizational stuff that might make your life easier, and he's not actually doing any of the installation. You know what you should do is you should get tell the wife, tell, the, tell her the truth, okay? Um... And then say, you need to coordinate something with your dad where you're on fixture shopping. Like you go to, you go to the, the light store, you know, 
you, you have great looking, taste. Like, right, I, I need you to come right. to Home Depot and I need you check out a lamp. Yeah. Your talents are wasted <laughs> on this menial work. <laughs> we need you and my wife to just the vision on, on some of the different, like, pick out a couple sconces for us because you have a great eye for it. And then she needs to coordinate this all with you. Because I actually am sensitive to the father-in-law's feelings, thinking he's helping. Think about this. He thinks he's helping his daughter and, you know, in a way his, again, it's not son, but you get the point, you know, and then he's connecting with your dad and he's retired. He's bored out of his fucking mind. Like, I, I think you, it's great that you care enough about him. I would have a hard fucking time with this because eventually I'd be like, hey, Dave, we got to talk. You know, and it'd be like a meeting out back watching a framer get fired, you know? <laughs> this isn't for you. Yeah. Like, this is not your calling. We're going to find, we're going to put you on dump runs. You're going to be on dump runs. And then if you fuck that up, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. So I, I think there's two things there. You could try my first thing, which would at least maybe plant the seed that he sucks at it and would make him understand why he's not. But I think coordinating something with the wife, feel like you have to, we have to figure out. And by the way, the wife is going to agree with you. Because it's her house too, mm, yeah, and she's not going to want to have her house messed. I've I've not met many women that are like cool with certain things, being like, "Oh, there's no floorboards." <laughs> yeah, okay. because telling your wife doesn't automatically hurt her dad's feelings because she wouldn't tell him. Like it sounded like the way he wrote it, he was like, "Well, I'm not going to tell her because I don't want to hurt his feelings." Like she'll keep that secret. Are you kidding me? She's not going to be like, "Hey, everybody thinks you suck at this." She's going right. to figure out a nice way to do this. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold this in from the wife. It sounds like. All right, we got another one here. Um, oh, he said, don't read this. Okay. Well, he said, don't read the beginning part. I appreciate oh. you guys say that. Mid-30s, good job. Recently divorced dad. Two kids, uh, eight and five. I won't get into the details of the divorce. That would be the whole email. But let's just say it wasn't my choice. and It was pretty nasty, multi-year process that finally just concluded. Sorry about that. No cheating or anything going on uh, that I'm aware of. Mm. All right. So it was pretty nasty without the cheating. Like, yeah, fucking she made a fantasy trade with her uncle. We vetoed it. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. I'm making light of this. I shouldn't do that. While all the divorce issues are being figured out, I never once even thought about dating. And it's still not something I feel like I have to do now that it's all over. I'm over my ex completely. That's not the issue. Just not trying to rush back anything. Anyway, I was recently scrolling through one of my feeds and saw the name of a former coworker from a previous job on a whim. I reached out to check in and see what she was doing. It had been roughly 10 years since we talked. She said she was good, seemed happy to hear from me. We went back and forth a couple of times. She mentioned wanting to possibly make a career change, and I told her I could look and see if my company had any openings in the field she said she was interested in. I then told her we should get together and catch up if she was interested, which she agreed to to seem excited about, offering her phone number so we could text and set something up. I mentioned I had two kids as we were having the what's new with you part of the conversation, but did not mention the divorce. Just didn't feel like something to blurt out in the DM. She appears to be single, no kids, but you can only tell so much from the photos. I understand the risk that she's only interested in hanging out of the prospects of a job recommendation well that's kind of how you set this up yep right which yep. you blatantly i mean this is the all-time move you do this and then next thing you know you're on a date and you're like what the fuck um ask any female friends and this happens literally all the time but from the male perspective on this you know you're in a very we'll get to your situation here in a little bit all right um he says in the email he's like this is honestly fine with me if it turns out to just be the case However, let's assume it's more of a date type scenario. All right. But you're, I have no idea if she's thinking this. I know probably there's some segment of the audience that's like, this guy totally set this thing up as a potential job thing. And now she doesn't even realize she's rolling into a date. Yes. 
odds are more on that. But we don't we also don't know that maybe this guy's the man. And she always was sort of interested and was fired up. So we can't really rule out any of that stuff, even if we don't love the origin story. Uh, if it turns out where she's like, no, actually, I've been married and, uh, you know, what what the fuck? All right. We don't know. Um, it's been 15 years since I've been on a first date. Any advice on do's and don'ts after a long layoff? I know talking about my divorce for an hour uh, is a pretty big don't. Appreciate the help. Love the show. Yeah, Kyle. Kyle hasn't even been divorced and he knows that one. <laughs> All right, so let's let's give everybody the benefit of the doubt here, right? Let's get past the, why they're going to meet up because hopefully he realizes if it's the case that she's with somebody or whatever that he can come through on the potential opportunity. But we we don't know what what her deal on this is. This is like anything else. I mean, when you're out there fighting the wars in the mix, like your your skills are honed with with whatever you do. And if you haven't done this in 15 years, you're probably going to suck at it. Um, I don't know. Maybe you have an unbelievable steady personality. Maybe you are, as you say, com- completely over everything that you've gone through. But, I mean, the very simple act of like, remember the Costanza Seinfeld where he was like prepping? He's like, I have this story to tell and I have this story to tell. It's actually not a terrible idea. Like have a couple <laughs> stories, but make sure you don't start right out with them. So, you know, I don't know where you're at right now or what you're, your level of, of comfort with yourself is like, if you just had to go out to a happy hour and figure out like how to meet somebody, I would really hate that scenario. Cause you're not going to, you're not going to sharpen those skills again until you go, it's almost like working out. Like the first day, if you haven't done it forever and the first time you go back, it's going to suck. Yeah. You got to get back, get all the suck part out of it. And then after a couple months, you're like, all right, now I'm figuring things out. I feel better. I'm strong immediately again. Now everything's good. Like it can come back if it were ever there. Um, somebody married you, right? So I would, I would go into this with like zero expectations. I would treat it not like a date. I would treat it like let her lead this dance, okay? And it doesn't mean that it feels like, oh, I'm not telling her I'm interested. None of that should be a priority. You know, this shouldn't be some weird thing. Maybe it's a magical moment. Where we end up at a diner at 4 a.m. and you're telling each other about your lives. You're like, oh, you were always the one. Okay, that's in fucking TV shows, man. This one you should be going into is nothing more than just getting out of the house, meeting a former coworker, telling her about the opportunity, and let her give you the signs of whether or not she's interested. And if you get some of those, great. And if you don't, you can't really blame her either for the premise of why she's meeting up with you in the first place. So that's it. Don't think about it. Don't get in your head. Don't act out what if, what if, what if. You should be treating it as like, hey, this is somebody I want to spend some time with. Have, let's catch up and then we're good. Kyle? Yeah, I, I initially was going to say, I would have been like, hey, just so you know, this isn't a job interview. Like, this is a, this is a date. Because I've had, I've had some weird lines being crossed. But then I realized what he said at the beginning of the, of the thing, where, of the, the email, where he's like, I'm, I'm fine to not do this. I'm not desperate. And it's like, yeah, he's not, I'm not, I wasn't in love with this girl. She wasn't the one who got away. She wasn't this or that. It's just, you know the way that it the way that it was all worded. I guess she may she maybe thinks that she's gonna. I mean, I don't know why you'd have to go out to dinner to learn about a job or whatever. Like, I mean, this is doesn't need to be a whole thing. But I like I initially I thought it would have been like, hey, just so you know, like we're not. I'm not here to go on a job interview. But yeah, who cares at this point? You're right. You said you're fine either way. It's not like you've had this weird history that you know was will they won't they right. So yeah, I think your advice is the best. I, initially, I would Wait, have said something else. 
So you were going to say just uh, at the jump, just go, hey, just so you know, this is a date. No, but like <laughs> maybe in, in a way, like like I wanted to go to dinner with you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want you to be sitting here like up, up with your posture up straight and like, you know, trying to give me your references for the past year. Like, that's weird to me. You know, I don't know. I just... I, I had like a couple of years ago, somebody from high school, well, not high school, but Poughkeepsie reached out and they're like, hey, you're still in Poughkeepsie, right? No, you know, I'm in Los Angeles. What are you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about moving out there, maybe. And it's like, oh, you just asked me if I'm still in Poughkeepsie. And then you're like, yeah, I was thinking about moving to Los Angeles. And then a like, couple of texts later, it's like, can you help me? So it's like, I just felt like, I don't know. It's like, you know, I'm not. I can't do anything for you. And even if I could, I probably wouldn't. You wouldn't be on my list of things. So I just, I just, I know that feeling and I just didn't want him to feel that on the date or on the non-date that he's, you know, hoping is the date. That's all. I just thought it'd be good to clear up some things. Because why do you need to go to dinner to talk about what the possible job opportunity is like? Like, A, he's not hiring her. And B, what could he really say? I don't know. I just, whatever. Uh, that was my this. same thing, Kyle, was... So 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 he reached out to her, which I think is kind of interesting in that, you know, you're trying to connect with her. So I think she probably knows that, though, right? Like, OK, you reached out, you were reconnecting. She was obviously open to it. But if the first in and her only interest, like, I think you have to go on this date. And if her only interest is talking about the job, then you kind of know where you're at here. But if not, then, you know, you could take a couple risks on the date. Like Ryan said, I don't know, feel it out, have a couple stories ready to go. Because um, I don't think Kyle, like I. I think it's kind of in that weird area where I don't think he can, I don't think he knows that it's a date or a job interview. Um, and I don't think he could directly ask her because that kind of makes it weird too if you're wrong. Then you don't go, um, right? Then you just don't go. <laughs> That's what I mean. What are the things? Okay, but well, you no, guys, I, are, no, you got... I still think there's value in going though, just to like get out there and talk to somebody that's a girl that's not your wife. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't even have to be like crazy flirtatious or you take it risks left and right. Just to get out, just to put yourself out there and be in like a social setting again with a, with a female is, is a good idea, I think. Okay. That's what bars are for. There's a point that we haven't touched on yet that's really important and maybe the core of this whole thing. He told her he had two kids. He never mentioned anything about the divorce. So her first, I would say the, most people's reaction would be like, oh, this guy's married and he has a family, mm. you know? So I think of the job, think of the jobs that you've wanted or different opportunities you have. The number of pointless meetings that I've gone on just in LA alone, just because there was an opportunity or I thought there was and I show up I go to the meeting and then I realize within five fucking minutes, I'm like, this isn't what this is. This is a total bait and switch. Some asshole used my name to show off that he knew me to get this other guy a meeting with me when he I thought I was the other way around. I was getting the cool side of the meeting where it was a new opportunity. And now this person wants somebody from me. And now I got to drive back to fucking Manhattan Beach. It's going to take me an hour and a half. All right. Like, hey, Jeff, great hang. And, you know, they weren't even trying to sleep with me. So I would say that this is something you have to keep thinking about like i'm not the i'm not blaming the emailer for anything in this but if we put ourselves in the other person's headspace here what wouldn't you go to anything for like an opportunity that you thought was better for your career and she may think her assumption is likely that the guy is married and has a family if you mentioned the two kids and never said anything about the divorce even though i understand why he wasn't like hey got two kids but i'm divorced so yeah. you know i, I think you got to you got to play it with zero expectations and let her, if she's interested in you beyond the job thing, you're probably going to pick up on a few things, all right? Or there's going to be some kind of follow-up that veers away from that. Like, I remember, again, weird story. I'm not going to make it too specific. I get a company email from somebody who 
is asking me about this project that they want me to work on. And I meet with the person and I know within five fucking minutes, this project doesn't even exist. It's not even a real thing. Like the person just wanted to meet me, which was super weird that it happened at work. And I go in thinking like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then immediately I'm like, this doesn't make any, I'm like, oh, I know, I know what this is, you know, boom. And she can't say no to that's a, that's a good point too. Like if she's really interested in like getting this job situation, what is she supposed to be like? Hey, could you like, you know, put a good word for me, introduce me to your boss, but I'm not going to go hang out with you. You know, she has, she, she has pretty much no but, choice other than to hang out with you. And like, well, she could have. Right. Yeah. But, but it, then, then right. she probably knows it's not, nothing's going to come out of it. Um, so it's, you're right. I guess I just don't know how this works. The guy's not a hiring manager. I mean, wh- what insight would he have other than, <laughs> other than being like, are you... Maybe he's got some pull. Do you know? We don't know. I mean, yeah, but why can't he be like, listen, I'll put you... I'll put you... Uh, you put me as your reference. I'll say all the nice things in the world. I really... You know, whatever. But, you know, what... I want to go on a fucking date. I don't know. I don't understand what the problem is. Like, what... Like, who cares? Because if she's like, I'm not interested in that, it's like, okay, sure. I'll let you know what the guys tell me or the but guys Kyle, tell me it, down there. is it the... Is it the end of the world if they just if they just have a good time and it's not a date? Like he said, he's not desperate. Like just yeah, but then once you're out. sitting there across from there on the table, and you know you like the way she did her makeup, she's wearing a nice dress, and it's like oh fuck, I wish maybe I cleared some of this up before now I'm sitting here and she's really interested in telling me about you know all of her certifications that she got at her last job, and I think she looks really pretty. And also, I don't have anything to fucking give her here because I can't actually do anything. All I do is work at the company and ask the guy who can ask the guy if there's any jobs, and that's it. I got nothing else for this. Like, I don't know. Whatever. I'm done with this. I would have just been like, listen, just so you know, like, I'll do everything I can. I was hoping we could go, like, you know, catch up and have a good like i there's i just there's nothing i can really do outside of what i'm already gonna do for you i don't know i think that's a little too far but who cares you haven't seen her in 10 years and he probably won't see her again if this job thing doesn't work out i don't know (laughs) i i can't believe where kyle's at on this one because at one point between the forwardness and the lack of desperation i just feel like you know hey go up to the table sit down double finger point go ahead (laughs) (laughs) i am feeling you big time and i get a ton of ass so I don't even need to be here. Oh, man. So do you want to party? Because I'm ready to fucking party. I don't care that it's Wednesday. Let's let's get this food to go. Uh, All right. I think we covered. Definitely won't be a second date. So there you go. But I just thought getting it out in front would be would make it so that you're not doing anything inappropriate. If, if she, you know, whatever. Who cares? Because then what's the what's the no, downside you're if nothing. you don't show up? If you don't show up and you still do the thing to help her out, what's the downside there? She's not uncomfortable uh, eventually. I don't know. <laughs> so, Kyle, you've never slow played anything then. Is that what you're telling us? Uh, In or out? Um, not, not when there was, like, something I could do to help you out. No. Not when there was, like, something that I had that you wanted from me. No. Definitely not. Absolutely not. Because I would feel weird inside. All right. All right. Straight shooter. Thank you to Kyle and Steve. Thank you to Vegas. Thanks for the hospitality. And we will. Uh, we got a few things cooking this week. So, uh, and then the trade deadline on top of everything else. So, uh, it's going to be a good week. Fired up. Talk to you Wednesday.
This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. 